I'm John Perry. And I'm Liz Eyre. And this is Selected Pros. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Selected Pros. Very excited about today's guest, Delicious Tacos. He's the author of a fantastic novel titled Finally Some Good News and the short story collections The Savage Spear of the Unicorn, The Pussy, and Hot Naked Kittens. He has been described as a champion of the human spirit in an era of late capitalism. He's been described as the internet's favorite writer. He has been described as a misogynist, a genius, America's Michel Welbeck, and a lot more. He, he's basically been described as everything under the sun, so you're going to have to pick up his books and decide for yourself. We had a wonderful discussion about self-publishing, self-reliance, God, dating, COVID, love, Bukowski. He opens our minds to the world of alt-bird watching, gun firing, crossbow shooting. At one point, he attempts to go to ISIS-held territory in the Philippines, and they don't let him in. We talked about so much. It was a wonderful discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. 60% off all of Taco's books for the holiday season. You can find them on Amazon. I'll link to all this in the bio. I will link to his Amazon store as well. Yeah, sit back, relax. Let Tacos take you to some strange places. And uh, yeah, without further ado, delicious tacos. Delicious tacos, man. Thanks for joining us. Fucking A, dude. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been kind of a long time in the works. Uh, we've been messaging back and forth on Twitter about this for quite some time. Well, I started saying no to, not that I'm some fucking celebrity, but I started saying no to podcasts because I had done too many of them. And I have very little left to say. I'm not, it's not that I'm, I don't think that I'm an especially interesting person outside of what I put in my books. And so there's diminishing returns for the people that listen that have to hear me say the same shit. Before we jump in, so John uh, usually has a, a co-host, Liz Eyre, who allegedly has a sinus infection. My, this is an MFA candidate. My belief is that she thinks that I am a uh, an misogynist and <laughs> is on strike from the show to object to my presence. Is this yeah. true, John? Uh, you know what? It's absolutely not true, but I knew you would think this. And when we were talking back and forth, I said, you know, delicious tacos, Liz, might believe that you hate him. And that's why you're not here. Uh, and what she said was, I love delicious tacos. Ha ha. Please tell him I don't hate him. LOL. Oh, great. So. That's the, the, the best news I've heard from a woman in <laughs> nine months. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely understand your suspicion but uh -huh. yeah, rest easy infection. yeah 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 it's not Good great question. for podcasts nobody's getting an infection now because we're all socially isolated and wearing masks nobody has any disease all diseases are covid so anybody that uh anybody that's that's not joining any obligations doing so out of personal hatred of me yeah don't worry my brain works that way as well so but how are you how's uh how's covid how's your quarantine going it sucks. I hate it. I loved it at first. 
I loved being at home and working from home. When it was summertime, I would go sit outside with the cat, um, listen to the birds and enjoy the sunshine. And now that it gets dark at 4.30, I'm busting my ass at work. You know, my work was slow. COVID slowed the economy down and now it's booming and picking back up and I'm busting my ass like a madman. It's driving me completely insane. Uh, I've, I'm incredibly lonely. I never socialize with people and it's awful. And I think that uh, elderly people and obese people and immunocompromised people should not be protected if I have to experience <laughs> mild, mild discomfort. I think they should sacrifice their lives so that I can move about freely. You know, I want you to be moving about freely too. So I'll, uh, yeah. I'll go ahead and agree with that. I just um, I haven't had a fucking vacation, you know, whatever. I, I have first world problems, but I haven't had a vacation. I can't get a date. You know, my family, my visiting my family and seeing my nieces and nephews over Christmas got canceled, which is depressing. Oh, are you doing a, a solo Christmas? Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might go to Brazil. Oh, go to Brazil, yeah. Right, right now, my life is wake up, I write for 15 minutes, and then I go to work. My work is extremely stressful, and it takes what feels like 16 hours. And my <laughs> boss is very nice. It's definitely the best job I've ever had. But it's picked up so much that walking in each morning feels like I'm going to the electric chair. Mm. And it just doesn't end. It drags out into the weekends and the nights and the early mornings and talking to stupid fucking people in, you know, various time zones and shit. Not stupid people, wonderful people, but people live, you know, in India or other places where I have to do business with them. And so I'm talking to them at six in the morning. It's horrendous. Mm. And uh as you know, I've always hated working. I've been working like a dog since I was 14 years old. I'm tired of it and I just want to retire. You've been, you've been work posting as of late, doom posting, and I can feel it. I have a job for the city and it's... Uh... Is John, John, your, I mean, look, do you post under your real name? Do you show? Yeah, posts? yeah. So uh, you self-docs and you're interviewing someone like me and then you work for the city. Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, hey, I have... All sorts of friends who you wouldn't expect who, despite their political leanings, uh, absolutely love your writing. So it's, it's yeah, this is a podcast about... It's more friends than I have than lo that love my writing. <laughs> it's, you know, it's mostly about like, this podcast is mostly about what makes good writing. You know, it's okay. like, I think a lot of people over COVID, as we've discussed in the past, like, are maybe reading more or trying their hand uh, with with the time that they have to to write and uh, you know there's all a million small presses and there's shit all over twitter about people's writing but i, yeah. I don't know i think there's a i think there's people who want to learn and get better and uh i certainly think your writing is great liz and i both both picked up savage spear of the unicorn before this interview available on amazon now six holiday sale right that's right. It's on sale for three bucks, the Kindle version. Although I don't know how much longer that will last by the time this airs. But yeah, all my books, I have four books, one called Hot Naked Tits, The Pussy, my novel, Finally Some Good News, which is probably the best thing I've ever done. My new book is called Savage Spirit of the Unicorn. They're all $3 or less for Christmas. So go fucking pick them up. Also, my website is delicioustacos.com where, where the shit is free. So you can also simply go there without spending any money and see if you like me. If I've done my research correctly, it sounds like you kind of, you started writing at about what, like 28? Yeah, I always wrote when I was a kid and I wrote in high school 
I wrote for the school paper and I wrote short stories that, uh, you know, one of them I won a big contest for. And then I went to college thinking I would major in creative writing and I just couldn't write anymore. Um, I think part of it was because I got so much acclaim when I was a teenager as I was going to become this great writer that it just froze me. And I didn't write anything besides love letters and emails for 10 years. And then I started a blog in 2005, which I would post on periodically. Uh, and I started deliciousTacos.com in 2012. So this has been the ninth year of it, which seems, which, you know, it seems insane. It's far too long for a blog to exist. And yeah, there was a 10 year gap, but I wrote when I was a child and I've always wanted to be a writer. That's always what I wanted. And it was, you know, those were very painful years in the way of not doing it. But uh, I'm, so, you know, I was listening to your interview with Sam Pink. And yeah, I got, what'd you think? I got, well, I got super excited because you mentioned me. Yep. And then, you know, I've talked to him and like he, and I told him to self-publish some of the stuff and he did. And it's in, before you buy any of my books, buy The Ice Cream Man by Sam Pink, which is the book of the year. He's an absolute genius. And it made me feel so good to have had an effect on his life and to have said something that he found helpful. It really, it meant a lot to me. But he was also, you know, he's talking about he, he has the reverse career of me because I started online. Um, thank God that blogging was invented because I, you know, I was this frustrated writer. I always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't want to admit that I wanted to be a writer. Thank God that it would just became easy to type into a web page and hit post and have it show up somewhere. And um, he has always written books. He's always had publishers. He's always had people interviewing him, et cetera. He's gotten traditional publicity and now is moving into, you know, shilling on Twitter. And I guess that's pretty much it, but, you know, doing podcasts and stuff like that. I'm wanting to try my hand at more podcasts or the, you know, in the middle of that Venn diagram, because I'm, I'm enjoying like doing interviews with people, talking to people and, I kind of want, like, I wouldn't mind getting a publishing deal. Yeah. Have you sought that out at all? No, I know that my books would be pre-rejected by every major publisher. And, you know, there's like, there's minor places out there that would do it. However, I also, with the past books, I have enjoyed uh, promoting them, shilling them. They're, they're, I mean, I had a presence already. The blog was somewhat popular. My Twitter has become somewhat popular, so I have the venue to do it. Right. But I'm starting to get that fantasy again of, first of all, it would get me more pussy to say that I had a publishing deal. Like it would have <laughs> to, like I have no prestige whatsoever. Like the concept of being a self-published author is inherently disgusting to people. If anything, it's just, oh, you know, it's less of a stigma is the nicest thing that people can say about it. Now, I could simply just make up the name of some fucking press and put that in my books. That you could. Yeah. But I would like to, here, what I would not want is any, an editor, but I would like a publicist. Mm -hmm. I would like somebody to help me get a little more reach because I think there's enough people in the world that would enjoy my books that I could make a living off it if I could get to those people.
Now, book publicists probably don't have access to those people. I'm doing better on my own than a professional could with my material, which is very horny, very violent, occasionally racist. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm accused sometimes of reactionary ideas. I, I, don't, I don't espouse any right-wing ideas, but I'm certainly associated with far-right, alt-right nationalists, and I do not disavow those people who are my friends, even though I disagree with their beliefs. So I'm kind of untouchable. I'm untouchable in the you know sense of whatever, like social, you know, social justice poison. Mm-hmm. But also, my shit is just so horny. I'm <laughs> just so horny, and I'm never going to stop. And it's just telling the truth. That's really the way I feel. There's nothing exaggerated about it. And uh, I publishing is mostly women, and women don't know what horniness is, especially Ivy League women that are all taking SSRIs that work at Random House. They have no, they haven't felt anything in their crotch. And I mean, there's got to be presses. I don't know. Maybe you got to go to France or something. But there have to be presses who would be willing, I think, to publish your stuff. Like if you sought it out. I, I think sure. a while, I think a while back we we had some Twitter Twitter interaction in which I talked to you about Michel Welbeck. And uh, yeah. you, you thought he, you said he was the greatest living writer. And I do see uh, like a lot of similarities between you and him. So, and I think your horniness is maybe like less, like a little bit less hopeless. I mean, it, you know, but. <laughs> I'm a little less French. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like, and you know, what do I know about publishing? Nothing. But I feel like if someone like him can get published. That's France though. Who knows? I don't know. I've never tried. So I haven't done the experiment. And so I don't know. And I'm doing okay with the way it is now. I, what I would really want is just to get promoted somehow. I need the promotional help. And mm-hmm. e- But even people that have publishers don't have their books take off. It's the rare book. It's like, what are the ones that I always see in my face? Is the fucking Year of Rest and Relaxation, uh, Severance by Ling Ma, both books with uh, both books about women living in New York with pink covers. Uh, they might be a little more literary than that, you know, than the book that has literal like high heels and pearls on it. And it's like Manhattan romance, but you know, I'm not, I'm not saying those, the books, those books are similar, but they're fucking New York girl books with pink covers. I don't know. How do you promote a book called the pussy? Let's say <laughs> you're, you're random house executive and you've got to get the pussy out on you've got to get the author of the pussy on terry gross <laughs> with all his white nationalist followers that's right <laughs> yeah I, I always picture sometimes i'm in the shower and i fantasize about getting one of those interviews i don't know if it's terry gross in particular but i would love to be asked about uh you know, I was sort of tangentially part of what was what used to be called the manosphere. Uh, that was before it had right-wing politics and it was just horny men blogging about sex. Everybody else that was in it became uh, fervent gamer gator and Trump enthusiast. And it's sort of retro and, you know, we're constantly writing articles that are sort of hinting and advocating for rape and all this other shit. And uh, it's, uh, that's, that's another reason why I don't chase a publishing deal. Like I'm still, I'm still branded with that. And I don't disassociate myself from anybody that is still my friend and I used to talk to again, even if I disagree with their aesthetic or their politics. Obviously we need more of that. Like in this- like I'm, I'm the old, so I'm such a part of the uncool kids. The cool kids are never gonna want anything to do with me. 
Yeah. I really don't want anything to do with them. I mean, I worked in Hollywood for nine years. I know what it's like to chase after this shit. It's appalling and, and soul crushing. And the people are disgusting, subhuman demonoids. <laughs> well, what was that? So what was your career in Hollywood? Uh, I was in development. So I was, I, I was an agency assistant. I was a production company assistant. And I was a production company executive. Aside from the demonoid people, how'd you like that experience? Look, none of the people that I directly worked with were demonoids. And I, okay. I say that as this sort of humorous exaggeration. There were actually a lot of cool people. But it's a very hard system. And it's a system in which people work hard and stab each other in the back to make shitty movies and shows. Mm -hmm. Like the, the apex of our culture right now is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which sucks. It fucking sucks. I was watching uh, five minutes of Captain Marvel and it's just she's terrible it's terrible sam jackson uh, how much money do you fucking need you know yeah. some, of the, some of those movies are solid 6.5 out of 10 for watching on the plane you can sleep through the second act and wake up and it's fine but that's what people are chasing after big franchise movies or stupid sitcoms or you know doctor lawyer cop shows and you hear a lot about the you know the golden age of television and then these great character-driven dramas. There were like four of those shows and then everything else continues to be shit. And there are talented people working on them, but it gets crushed out of you by writing around, you know, writing around network notes and commercial breaks and dumbing it down yeah. to, to a 115 IQ network executive's concept of an 85 IQ audience member. <laughs> And it's just, it was so, and then you have to work so hard, you have to read so much bad writing and people just want it so bad. There's just this crazy edge of desperation and desire and, it, and power tripping and you get sucked into it and you don't even get laid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think this like Marvel shit would end, but they just keep pumping out new movies. Yeah, it's basically CSI. Like there is a CSI for every city, and there's it's a you know franchise bit. They just keep coming out, and those movies are like TV shows. There's no mm -hmm. real beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. It's fine. I don't want to track. Look, they're fine movies, and if people are into them and they can enjoy them more than me, then they win. They, but you, you know, when you go to Hollywood, like nobody's getting to make the Coen Brothers movie. Everybody, everybody is really yeah. struggling hard to make. The, the next Fast and Furious franchise. I wanted to talk about, like, I think a lot of people, I mean, I think, yes, self-publishing, like, started from us with a certain reputation or maybe with a certain stigma. But I think, like, people like you and Sam and writers like Logo Daedalus or something, yeah. they've, they've acquired, you guys have acquired quite a meaningful following through self-publishing. And I want... I kind of want to know, like, what was that process like, you know, when you finished the novel from posting it on Amazon, from trying to get attention for it? Like, what steps did you take? Yeah, uh, my first book was a 50 page ebook called Hot Naked Tits. It is oh, okay. titled to Hot Naked Kittens on Amazon because <laughs> they, started, they kept labeling it as erotica. Mm. Um, there is a guy named 30 Days to X on Twitter, X Days, who had self-publishing books, who helped me out a lot with some advice about self-publishing. But people encouraged me. I was blogging and I wrote in 2000, I started blogging on the new blog in 2012. I tried to post every day, I ended up doing 335 posts the first year. So I, I got myself warmed up. 
then in 2013, I wrote a story called Autopilot, which was the first really good thing I think I did on that blog. It went viral, right? Uh, no, not viral per se. Well, okay. Yeah, it's no, nothing I've done has really gone viral. I did a thing. The only viral thing I've done is called 44 OK Cupid openers. It was my online dating openers, which is, you know, millions of people have seen. But uh, after that, I wrote a couple, I wrote a, a short story called, uh, was reviewing this Tenga easy beat artificial design <laughs> that was another good thing I was really proud of that and I had enough of these things and people encouraged me to put together a book so I was like fuck it I'll try it and I didn't expect it to go anywhere but I put it into a little ebook and I published it and I sold like a hundred of them in the first month the following year I decided I was going to try to put out a physical book and the process of it just it's it was frustrating the first couple of times like you have to get a word Microsoft Word template that you know, all the fucking page numbers always get fucked up and the margins get fucked, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The technical aspects of it are frustrating at first. Like if you're doing this, trust me, but it becomes really rewarding and easy. Also, if anybody else is out there listening and likes the way my last two books look and you would like me to send you for free uh, my Microsoft Word template of how I made those books, please shoot me an email. My email's on my website. I will happily send it back to you. Um, Great idea. Because that, if I had had that, that would have saved me a lot of anguish. However, you're going to be denying yourself the pleasure of mastering the skill of book formatting, which is actually now I find quite satisfying. Mm. But it, you know, it sold some. I made like a grand off it. I, I used that money to go on a tour of uh, national parks. I went to Yellowstone and Glacier and, uh, you know, where else? Crater Lake and a bunch of other places. So I put out the pussy to put, which both of these books are just collections of my best blog posts. Um, and uh, I have to give a shout out to my beloved friend, Nicole Hazler for giving me editorial advice on the pussy that really made it into a real book. That one, uh, my, my actual book didn't sell as well when it came out and it really, it sold, you know, a few copies here and there. I mean, I was, you know, selling, a book a day probably after the initial bolus and it wasn't until bronze age pervert noticed the pussy and promoted it that it really started selling bronze age pervert found the pussy i think because we were friends on twitter and he mentioned that 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 uh was some of the evidence that he saw that a self-published book could work and be good and that that was part of his decision making in writing Bronze Age Mindset, which is an enormous, enormous hit. He's it's an interesting the, character. Yeah, it's one of the but it's one of the self-publishing things you talk about. Like it is nice to see people doing it. Other mm -hmm. people had done it before me. I do think like the pussy, <laughs> the pussy was the first of something. Like the pussy was the first of this movement, and the movement has good books and bad books. I like I like Logo's book. Um, what else have I read? There's a bunch of good, I like Paul Towns books. I don't want to, if I'm not mentioning your book, it doesn't mean I don't like it. I'm just not looking at my bookshelf right now. <laughs> um, not because the pussy was initially popular, but because when BAP, Bronze Age Pervert, noticed it, it's got this cartoony cover um, designed by my friend Matt Lawrence, and it has a weird facial expression that I made him put on there. And it's got this iconic fucking title, the Pussy by Delicious Tacos. It's just, just such a weird thing to see that it catches your <laughs> eye. So The Pussy is not my most popular book, but it's kind of the most well-known because just The Pussy, The Pussy yeah. by Delicious Tacos. <laughs> and I do think it was part of started starting something. And I also think that 
my shilling makes people think that I'm having great success at it and that they can too. Now it's not necessarily true. I make about 20 grand a year from my books. So I'm not retiring off that anytime soon, but it's something. And it is fun just to have an atmosphere of creativity. Look, we're all doing it. We're all encouraging each other, et cetera. I do, I rarely read people's self-published books because I have so many old books I still got to read and there's specific things that I have to put in my head to write the next book. Mm -hmm. But I pick one up when I can. I always like when I see my Amazon page and it's like customers also purchased and it's fucking Bronze Pervert, Sam Pink. Yeah. Logo, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is a sort of... Mike Ma is another... Mike Ma is another book that has sold a lot more than mine. Um, and I think that... I like to think that his book, which is a great book, Harassment Architecture, was influenced by the pussy. Or at least the fact that he self-published a book was influenced by the pussy. I actually haven't heard of this. He's another like right-wing guy. He's a legit political... Uh, I don't know whether to say radical or reactionary, like spiritual... Spiritual, mm -hmm. radical, policy, reactionary. Um, so yeah. that's probably out of his fucking tree. However, he can spin a yarn. He's got a beautiful prose style that I really like a lot. Beautiful raw prose style. Mm -hmm. And it's like the pussy. It's a collection of sort of stories and connected stream of consciousness. And uh, he's, he's deeply, deeply talented. But he had to self-publish. He could, you know, he's got the sales numbers where he should walk into a publishing house and be printing money. Same with Bronze Age Pervert. You know, Simon & Schuster should be banging down Bronze Age Pervert store. I don't have the numbers to justify that. But I would certainly be a small presses hit of the year for sure. Mm. They should be selling Bronze Age Pervert's book in the airport when you walk by. It should be next to Talib's, yeah. whatever Talib's economic book <laughs> is and fucking Malcolm Gladwell's latest horse shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting to me because it seems like from a publishing standpoint, whatever whatever you would call this movement is, is basically untapped uh, and it's refreshing. Like, you know, I live in New York and... And it's, it's strange to me because the more you, the more time you spend there and the more people you talk to, you realize like the extent of sameness, you know, I mean, just like Marvel movies, you'd have to think people would get bored of this stuff. Yeah, there's usually a certain prissiness to the prose that I can't relate to. Again, I don't want to trash like I'm enjoying the Ling Ma book. I haven't read the Otessa book. Mm -hmm. So I this is I am not trashing either right. of these people. Ling Ma, the one that I've read or the one that I'm reading is good and I'm enjoying it. However, it's not, it, on the back, of, I've said this in the last podcast I was on, so I'm trying not to repeat myself, but on the back of that book is a list of accolades a mile long from every great institution on the earth. Like they're giving this bitch a Nobel prize for this stupid book. And it's just massively overrated. It's a solid 6.5 book. Now look, my books probably suck worse that's for someone else to tell me, but it's the, the jerk off for this fucking woman is insane. I, again, the Otessa book might be the second coming of Christ, but I doubt it. I've picked up, I've picked it up in a bookstore and I read one page and it's a little prissy. The prose is a little prissy, but it's women's books. You know, what can you say? Since Liz is in here, let's trash women. Since, uh, since delicious tacos, haters, Liz Air is in with us on the air today. I knew I wouldn't escape this. So uh, I might have seen you talk about this on Twitter, but like, it's, it's pretty interesting. It seems to me like 
if I remember correctly, you had a friend at one point who was like either in the publishing world or, uh, you know, an old friend from high school, maybe. And she was kind of criticizing you for the following that you've built. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had no, it's a woman that I uh, went to college with. Um, and I, I wonder if I could, I, don't, I think those DMs are too old for me to pull up. I think that she's an insane dog mom, uh, Hillary Clinton fanatic now. And that's why that she was like that. I think she's a crazy, hardcore, like centrist Democrat, not even far left. But I don't, I don't know what the fuck to say about that. Um, yeah, so for some background, an old friend found me, reached out to me and said that I was, you know, she was, you know, all our past, all our old professors would be ashamed of me and that what I was doing was disgusting. I was encouraging the worst aspects of humanity, et cetera. And it didn't hurt me because it's not true because I don't encourage the worst aspects of anything. I try to express my feelings in an honest way and if I do it correctly, it makes other people feel less alone. That's what it's for. I'm not encouraging people to do anything, and I'm not telling people how to fucking live their life. And I'm certainly not trying to say that I'm a great example. Obviously, I'm a 44-year-old single childless man working my ass off at, a, at an office job and uh, on my way to a lonely grave. I'm not saying that I have the answers, but... I try to be as truthful as I can. So fuck that cunt. <laughs> well, part of the reason that, I mean, in, in my opinion, your writing is absolutely hilarious. And I'm wondering, forget about, forget about who listens or who reads it or why. I mean, it doesn't matter. I think that's such a strange thing to, to look into. But geniuses, really deep, brilliant geniuses. Really yeah. Work. Well, thank you. That's a compliment to me cruel, ugly, stupid morons tend to not read my work. And that's really <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I asked Sam about this too, but I'm always interested in like, I don't know how I feel about like out, like funny books, but I do deeply respect people who can write with humor and people who have a sense of humor. And I'm wondering, first of all, is that something you had to cultivate over time or? or... Yeah. No, I think, I don't know if I've gotten like less funny over time. I get a, I've gotten a little weepy over time. All my shit is about like praying and birds. I guess not though. I don't know. You, you can't like, you can't lose your sense of humor in life. This is something I catch myself doing now. Like I'm like, oh God, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to die alone. I'm single. I can't get a date. And I say, but I find myself saying a bunch of weepy bullshit to myself mm -hmm. and it's funny to an outside observer. It's got to be funny how much of a colossal failure many aspects of my life have been. Um, so you got to, if you want to, you can't force funny shit though. Like don't try to be funny and don't write comedy. Just let, just be honest. First of all, no, I'm just telling the truth. I mean, there's sometimes there's, you can exaggerate for the sake of a good sticky image or something, a good metaphor. Mm -hmm. However, if you just tell the truth, the truth is fucking funny. It's funny. The fucking <laughs> COVID-19, the fact that we're all on house arrest from Gavin Newsom is fucking funny. <laughs> uh, he's going to French laundry and you're staying home. Yeah, I, what did you expect? I don't care if he goes to some restaurant. <laughs> go to a restaurant. Let him fuck his fucking 16-year-old girlfriend and go to a restaurant. <laughs> but I mean, it's... By the way, Gavin Newsom does not, to my knowledge, have a 16-year-old girlfriend. I'm not legally liable for... Um... <laughs> uh, you, you can criticize a public figure all you want. And I... 
He, um, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't tacitly accuse them of child molestation. I think that crosses the line. I think to I've my seen. Knowledge, to my, I just want to be very clear. <laughs> as far as I know, Gavin Newsom probably does not regularly enjoy molesting children. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, as far as I know, likely does not regularly practice statutory rape on underage girls and boys. Mm. I think the odds are low that <laughs> Gavin Newsom enjoys regular sexual congress with junior high field hockey players. I think it's extremely unlikely. So I'm not saying that Gavin Newsom in, enjoys underage sex on a daily basis. Yeah, Gavin, if you're if you're if you're listening, man, um, no one's implying that at all. Just re- just relax. Gavin, Gavin loves the pussy. Yeah. And he's weeping into his copy. <laughs> it's a, yeah, one of his many secrets. Yeah. But so who, who are some of the writers that you particularly find funny or that maybe influenced you early on? I know I know. one time you told me on Twitter that you thought Michelle Welbeck was the greatest living writer. I don't know if your he's views a, have changed on that, but. No, he's absolutely the best. Maybe yeah. Um, I liked Charles Bukowski a lot, especially when I was drinking. I've read his stuff so much now that I can't read it anymore. Uh, I'm reading Nikos Kazantzakis' Last Temptation of Christ again, which is one of the great novels of all time. Uh, what else do I like? I like the same shit as everybody else. One of my favorite books is Year of Magical Thinking because Joan Didion can, wrote her best book in, in her 70s. Mm. Um, it's always heartening to see an old person doing their best work. Who else do I like? Uh, I love Sam Pink and I've read most, if not all of his stuff. Um, I fucking forget who else I read. The three books I read for finally some good news were uh, Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut, which is another fast-paced apocalyptic book, uh, mm-hmm. Platform by Huelbeck, because it's about Southeast Asian sex trade. And uh, I forget, oh, and the, a book called The World's Most Dangerous Places by Robert Young Pelton, um, which is an old and now out-of-date travelogue about traveling to war zones in third world countries, but it's a brilliant, brilliant, uh, hilariously written book. Interesting. And so as part of your research, like knowing the type of book you want to write and finding books that are structurally similar and, and like immersing yeah, yourself in this. It's like a stew. So I, w- I want to figure out what I'm throwing in the crock pot. So mm-hmm. uh, I knew that Huelbeck had the disenchanted uh, economic sexual concepts and in particular, since finally some good news largely takes place around the Philippine sex trade. Um, I thought that his insights would be helpful. I go a little, I go a lot deeper into the Southeast Asian sex trade than he does. Um, Cat's Cradle was for pacing. I remember him it being, a, it's a very, it's a very fast paced and very sort of, you know, he has straightforward, dry prose, short sentences, especially short sentences at the short, uh, declarative sentences at the end of paragraphs for impact. Just timing and pacing was what that one was all about. Also, how outlandish. If you're, finally, some good news is about a nuclear holocaust. And mm-hmm. so Vonnegut has sort of dry, realistic prose that he uses around <clears throat> absurd situations. And my question was, like, how absurd can you get? Like, how much will the audience forgive as long as you kind of talk in this very straightforward Midwestern way. And the mm-hmm. answer is you can, you, know, you can go quite far. 
Um, so it's just the flavors that you want to put in there. Uh, right now, my new book is going to be called True Love. And so the, the Kazantzakis book, Kazantzakis book is about sort of trying to fight God and fight your destiny. And there's some of that in there. And it's written in this kind of poetic style. And there's some of that in there. Um, what else did I read for it? I just read Spring Snow by Mishima. Okay. Uh, which, he's, he's seen a revival lately. Yeah, he's a weird one because uh, I only I only knew him from uh, hardcore Aryan supremacist bodybuilders, and then I <laughs> so I heard his name. I, I think I had his book on on iBooks. I'm at a yard sale, and this you know lesbian up the block is selling fucking spring snow. So I go and I pick it up, and she's like, "Oh, you like that one?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm interested in reading this." And she's like, "Well, you know." Um, he was uh, he was very oppressed for being gay, and it's a very sad story. I'm like, oh shit, is Mishima also is he the true horseshoe closer, where like social justice people see him as a gay man of color, and white nationalists see him as the ultra nationalist, <laughs> you know, Japanese paramilitary icon? Is this are we finally achieving the oneness and the singularity with this guy? It and it is a great book, and uh, his you know, his gayness and his female spirit coupled with his extreme masculinity allow him to see many sides of characters and situations. Mm. And uh, it's got a great, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, great love story with, a, with twists. That is one. So, and I don't know what the other books are. I'm going to try to, I'm relearning uh, Greek so that I can translate uh, the Gospels and translate some Sappho. So that's a little ambitious, but that's yeah. part of, that's what's going in there. I'm, I'm going to reread some Catullus and tra maybe translate some Catullus. I've been I've worked on doing, I've translated his translation of Sappho. Um, so my Latin isn't quite as rusty as my Greek, but I'm getting deep. Like I fucking go, I go deep on these things. I mean, for finally some good news, I traveled to crazy, you know, I tried to go to um, ISIS territory in the Philippines, but they weren't letting foreigners in there. So I went to another island that has, you know, occasional kidnappings and beheadings and stuff. And I visited there and I talked to people and I talked to tons of hookers in Angeles City, Philippines, and all this sort of dialogue in that section really came from real conversations mm. and Philippine folklore and stuff. So this one, I there's some stuff that I want to investigate with. Uh, Pueblo Native American folklore for a specific reason, and then you know the original Greek Gospels, Sappho, uh, and then I'm going to reread Serotonin, the new Hellback, which is uh, is one of the which is one of the sort of foundational books of this next book, I think, because of what he does on the last two pages. Hmm. That's cool. That's a that's a unique approach that we haven't heard about yet. I I mean, yeah, there's something about I like the stew. Stew yeah, ideas. And then like just re there. reading books, like I have to go have a bunch of experiences. So finally, some good news was a bunch of pieces that I had to figure out how to fit together, and a lot of those were just like having experiences that could be a chapter, and like how would they fit into the plot. Mm -hmm. So this is where Corona has retarded my efforts because I can't go fucking do anything. And the right. book is called True Love. It's about love. I would like to. I'm gathering. I'm also in. You know, I inter. I do interviews. So I'm interviewing. 
women. I'm interviewing tons of women and, and getting their stories. And so there's, there's a lot that goes, I'm not, you know, I don't fuck around with these things. I really, I do take it seriously. There's a ton of prep work involved. Mm-hmm. And um, so not work. I mean, it's not like I'm some fucking jerk off writing a fucking dissertation, but <laughs> I do, I, I need to understand like women's perspective. You know, there's a chapter from the woman's point of view and finally some good news. And I talked to multiple people and went really deep into their traumatic stories you know thank you thank you to the wonderful women who shared with me and uh, i'm doing that again for this one and just kind of gathering all the notes together and it's you know it's a, it's a big deal but but i need to i need to experience true love too so so i know you've talked a lot about having to stay home at covid and you've gotten into bird watching and you've yeah. I, th- I think you've gotten, I think we've all gotten a little bit more introspective over COVID, but it yeah. seems possibly like your your views or your, I guess, yeah, your views about religion are, are maybe changing. Well, I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've got six and a half years sober. So I, yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous is my religion. I pray every day in the morning. I pray to God. My higher power is God. It's not some placeholder. Mm-hmm. Um, I go sit when COVID is not around. I go sit with a bunch of my co-religionists, often in a literal church, holding hands and praying and meeting. So I believe in God and I believe God is evident in nature. And Mm. I believe that God wants me to not be a dick to other human beings. Mm. Um, Otherwise, I'm not sure what the fuck God wants me to do. I don't know. know, Does (laughs) God want me to continue going to work and being stressed out? Like, okay, I guess so. There's no, this is a great thing about Last Temptation of Christ. Like there's no escaping God's will. It's a book about people trying to fight God's will. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, they have this vengeful Hebrew God who does not have great things in store for them. And they keep trying to, they're literally like fucking God. Like God speaks to them. They're like, no, I don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, God. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, and the closer I am to God, the more content I am and the mm-hmm. more I work my Alcoholics Anonymous program, including helping other alcoholics to stay sober, the uh, the closer to God I am. Mm. And right now, I'm not very close to God. I've been slacking off a lot. So mm. And how about the bird watching? When, when did that come about? I've always liked birds. I've always liked drawing birds. I've always loved nature and animals. And the thing about bird watching, and again, I said this in the last podcast I was on, so... If you're listening to both, sorry, you're going to hear the fucking same <laughs> shit, and that's the way it is. Uh, you cannot go wherever you live. You cannot always see a lion, right, or mm-hmm. a jaguar. But wherever you are, there's always a bird doing some interesting shit right <laughs> near you, no matter where you are. And birds are a beautiful way to stay in touch with the natural world and lift your soul away from man-made concerns. I'm grateful to my friends and brothers, the birds. Mm. Yes, my father has gotten into bird watching as well. And uh, uh, it's probably something I should do, although got nothing in New York, just pigeons, occasional falcon. Well, you've got it. So this is a new hobby that I am promoting called alt bird watching. yeah bird watching is where you go and you're like i'm gonna oh look i saw 10 species today and you know you can observe behaviors and stuff but it's much more about taxonomy and stuff whereas all bird watching is you sit on a bench and you watch as a pigeon 
investigates a tuft of grass, wondering if there's a seed in there. He looks from one side, he looks in the other. He's very methodical about trying to figure out if there's a seed. He pecks once, he pecks twice. He walks around, he struts, walks in a circle for a while with his neck bobbing because his whole spine is connected a certain way. You notice the iridescence on his neck. He puffs up his neck when a female walks by. Um, that's alt bird watching, meditating and while watching birds kind of. And so you can certainly do that in New York. You can certainly watch pigeons all day long and never be bored. Yeah, that's true. So is is the alt of alt bird watching? Um, it's not the type of bird. It's it's the type of activity that you're focusing yeah, on. Yeah, it's a it's a reference to alt lit or yeah. alt right. Like alt in front of anything always just sounds so <laughs> sounds so stupid to me. So that's what I did. Like it's alt. like alt, you know, alt rodeo or something. <laughs> like, what do you do? You fucking uh, you don't ride the bull in the usual way, but you know, you ride a fucking angry donkey or something. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the <laughs> shooting where you fucking shoot, uh, you know, I don't know, shoot bananas and stuff. <laughs> I think uh, alt bird watching has a, sp a very special ring to it. Yeah, try uh, some alt bird watching tomorrow and let me know how, how it goes. Everybody, yeah. the sound of my voice. Try alt bird watching just for five minutes today. <laughs> yeah, Talk I mean, to the I bird, observe, it, observe its behaviors and think about how it relates to your philosophy on life. Mm. Absolutely. I'm glad, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I meant I made a mental note to myself like I've been promoting my books too much. Like <laughs> I need to promote this concept of alt bird watching. I'm all I thought about insisting that the entire podcast be about alt bird watching. <laughs> I mean, what else do you got to say about it? I, I'm not even familiar with bird watching. That's it. So I'm glad I didn't, uh, I, the three and a half minutes I was able to speak <laughs> all the material. Around. Yeah. Do we get any uh, alt, alt bird watching in the next book? Uh, I'm of course. There's of course. Yeah. There's probably going to be a, a just some uh, ask some segments from the perspective of the bird. Mm. I use birds heavily in all my books, and especially in finally some good news. Some yeah, good, finally some good news is a book that's partially about alt bird watching. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I, I can't stress it enough. It's an absolutely gorgeous book, man. It was extremely Thank well you. done. Um, Thank you. I'm going to link to all this in the bio, of course, and, and hopefully people will buy, buy your work. Something I'm kind of curious about, you know, I think a lot of, so I'm actually in an MFA program right now. Okay. Um, and how's that going for you? I, I mean, you know, I think it's more, I guess, about me. I wish people. that people could, people could see, like, I can see your face. <laughs> and so how's that going for you? And then you just did a, like, your voice sounded normal, but your face crumbled. And then you slowly drew your hand over your eyes like you were, you know, like you're the cop, like closing the eyes of a corpse at a crime scene. Yeah. You know, a lot of people there like are working full-time jobs. I think a huge question that comes up for people, whether they're visual artists or writers or whatever, anyone with a hobby is sort of like, you know, especially someone like you with an intense uh, office job, like what you're, what is your, um, you got like a method. Is it something where you like sit down every day? I know you were doing a blog post a day for a while there, or is it? Yeah, I, are you, I, haven't, I haven't been writing as much recently as I normally do. Um, I'll wake up and write for 15 to 30 minutes virtually every day. And then on weekends, I'll write for longer. Um, I've been in kind of a gap year almost because I just, I put out a book in April mm -hmm. and 
I thought that this book, Savage Fear of the Unicorn, was it's good. To, you know, it's another collection of blog posts, mostly. Um, it's sort of the sequel to the pussy. And I thought that's what it was going to be. Finally, some good news was really, really intense. And I wrote a lot of it in really intense sprints. But, you know, I was getting like a chapter or two a month at most. Um, but there was also, you know, there was walking around thinking about it. There was trying to write a chapter and failing. There was a lot that, a lot of other work that went into it. And this one I wrote, I needed to write some, I wanted to write some new fiction to bookend the new book. And I did, I wrote a couple of good stories, including the last one in Savage Spear is one of the best things I've ever done. It's only in the book, it's not in the internet. And uh, it was surprisingly exhausting. Mm. I put out four books in the last five years and that's a lot. So I've taxed, <laughs> I've taxed it, you know, my creative energies mm -hmm. a lot. And I thought that I would give myself a year to restore. I was going to give myself some time off. And I still am. I intend to take my time with True Love, the next book. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a while before it's done. I'm going to let myself develop it slowly and really refine it. Or at least like just do it. I don't know. Just let it be like shaggy and, you know, just let it be its thing. Yeah. And, and uh, so also nothing is happening in my life. Like when something happens, I need to write about it. But we're in an era where nothing happens. I don't mm -hmm. write about Donald Trump. I don't write about coronavirus per se. And I've also covered the bored, lonely man shtick a lot. So unless I write something that really pops, I'm not going to post something I've already posted 10 times. Mm -hmm. I've, I have fucking 813 blog posts. So there's a lot that's just been covered. Mm -hmm. Um, however, this year I've really been milking the shit out of every little thing that happened. Like I read seven posts about of this stupid bitch that I went out with, you know, four <laughs> times. Um, I read those. Yeah, I got I Yes, I hope that uh, I hope that uh, she's getting run over by a steamroller. <laughs> um, I don't have the uh, inspiration right now. Like, I don't have a great story. I have a lot of story ideas, but none of them don't particularly move to write. Yeah, I have ideas for this book, but none of them. You know, I'm not like there yet. I'm still kind of putting. I'm still just figuring the book out. So I'm not. I'm not inspired. Nothing interesting is happening to me, and I'm not inspired. So I haven't mm -hmm. been writing as much as I know. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty universal. Yeah, you're not yeah, alone this, in that. This this concept that coronavirus was going to be a productive i always you know i was when i was bored at, at my house when i was a teenager my mom was like well you're a writer you should write and you can't really write when nothing is happening like shit has to happen to you you have to have right. experiences um and it's so this concept that everybody's we're going to see great literature coming out of corona is not true i think people are going to be less productive. I'm certainly, I was more productive in other areas of life when Corona started. I was, I was running up the mountain and lifting weights at home constantly and baking bread. And I learned a lot of skills, you know, I was de developing my archery skills for when I needed to hunt small game or, or fend people off from my beans and nuts <laughs> right home. There's some archery and finally some good news. Yes, there is. That, although I hadn't shot a bow and arrow in a long time, and I wrote that book, so if I had it to do again, I would have written a much more realistic version of that scene. Um, I think I did the hand wave on it. I put a joke in about the uh, the bow doing plus one to attack and damage rolls, 
<laughs> because I didn't know how the fucking compound bow really worked. If I knew, I might get it in there. I did mm -hmm. shoot guns for that book. I learned. I shot the gun that he shoots in that book. Mm -hmm. This is my this is my other research. I was like, okay, I got to learn about these guns. So I went to the gun range and I requested. I rented a 308 rifle with a scope because I knew there was going to be a sniper scene in it. And as soon as I said, and you know, they they guys in the gun range like assume that you're not a fucking moron that knows nothing about guns. So I pick up this the this rifle. I put the scope right near my eye. I had goggles on, but still uh, I fired it. It's a fucking 308 is quite around. And the thing, you know, the, there's not what's called there's not a lot of what's called eye relief. I now know the term eye relief. <laughs> so the scope just wham like with the force of a gun like slammed into my eye. Uh, and it whacked me a good one in the head. And I know, you know, I, I was wearing the gun range mandated safety goggles, thank God, but it was the perfect, like I had, you know, put aside several hours to be at this gun range learning a gun and I had that experience and I knew like, oh, that's it. That's exactly, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. My experience, like looking in the scope and, you know, fucking scopes are stupid. They're hard. <laughs> I much prefer iron sights in life. Yeah. Um, don't feel bad if you haven't done anything over COVID. I mean, it's it's. I, I I really got my shit together, extremely together over the summer, and then it's just fallen apart. It's been too fucking long. Especially, I mean, California has never not been on lockdown. Now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, New York's been pretty bad too, but it's like, I mean, just just the shit you hear in passing when you know, like interesting sentences you hear come out of people's mouths. Uh, yeah. At work or whatever, it's just like all that is lost and. I know I see a lot of comparisons in terms of literature to like to like 9-11 or something, but like maybe we'll have a like a 9-11 wave of literature, but 9-11 yeah, was like extremely loud and incredibly close. <laughs> yeah. Okay, another fucking stupid I haven't couple, I haven't read that book couple Dondalillos, you know, but um yeah. but like 9-11, something like I mean something like pretty astounding happened. And this is almost the antithesis of that, which is like, yeah, nothing happened. Super amounts of nothing happened. Yeah, it's, it's pure. It's pure nothing, and uh, it's it's yeah. I mean the. Well, here's the here's why I was fucked too, though. At the beginning of COVID in January and February, when when news was circulating about this crazy disease from China that might come over here, and. The mainstream was still blowing it off, but my right-wing friends were very engaged in bro science, looking at the data, you know, knowing that the Chinese data was propaganda and censored. They were telling me, you know, stock up on foods, blah, blah, blah. You know, I should get a gun all this other shit. And that might've been an exciting, inspiring time because it's cool to think that the apocalypse is coming, except I had just written that fucking book already. I had just, so my life was reflecting the book because I thought about what to do in a post-apocalyptic scenario, what would I need? And I was ready, it certainly helped me in life. I knew exactly what I needed to pick up and how I needed to prepare. I had thought through the process of like one man walking away from, from annihilation mm -hmm. already but it wasn't a new idea. I had already written the book. So I was, ahead, I was fucking ahead of it. You're like I've shot guns for this. Yeah, yeah. And so I bought a gun during, during COVID. I found the last gun shop that wasn't 
you know, there's allowing people inside. I got myself a nice 22 that I now enjoy shooting cans with. In the desert. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then sort of just nothing, occur nothing occurred. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, old people died and uh, people were angry at Donald Trump and you couldn't go to a restaurant and women on Hinge and Bumble became more cunty. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had friends uh, who've had a lot of, interesting experiences now on the apps uh during this um what's it like out there it's awful it's my my romantic life does not exist yeah, yeah. part of that's because i'm sober and i go to bed at 9 p.m part of it's because i'm you know and part of it's because i'm 44 years old and uh i'm not exactly brad pitt i look kind of like you actually do you yeah I you're a good looking dude i'm not a bad looking dude i'm just not you know, LA is a hard pussy town. New yeah. York is supposedly like pussy central. LA is not like that at all. Yeah. Are you single? You're a single man? No, I have a fiance. Are you looking at her? Did you just look at her right now across the room? No, but we're at my parents' house and she's uh she's upstairs. So, all right. so um, does she listen to this? She does. Yeah, she she's a I I frequently read her the tweets of yours that make me laugh and uh Sometimes she'll say, I think it's just guy humor, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, I'm not going to say, look, I'm, I'm sure she's, a, well, I know she's listening. So <laughs> give me a chance. <laughs> give him a chance, Liz. Tough time. She's showing her. Like, if you don't know my, so my Twitter is delicious underscore tacos. And like, basically all I do is like screen cap. It's like, the, you know, New York Times is a headline that says, you know, Trump administration tainted by scandal. I'll just crop it so it says Trump administration taint and post it and it'll get a hundred retweets and a thousand likes. It's not like, I agree. It's not, it's not exactly fucking Oscar Wilde. Uh, I mean, sometimes it is. For example, I think today, uh, just, just to make you uncomfortable or happy, I read, I read to, <laughs> I told my family, I was interviewing you and uh, I pulled up this. I, I'll tell them, yeah. And I pulled up this tweet: "Sex work is work. I've created hundreds of jobs." I mean, that's just good. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> that's you. just a good joke. That's not a bad one, yeah. <laughs> so uh, stuff like that. But you know, my brother's on to you now. Uh, we got we got delicious tacos family here, and uh, uh, you are loved. Many such cases. <laughs> Many such cases. But uh, I'm sure you get asked this all the time. So if you don't want to talk about it, no worries. But um, I, I mean, I, I totally understand the rationale for wanting to, to go anonymous and write from yeah. a pseudonym, even if even if you're writing like stuff that doesn't push any envelopes, just like, I don't know, there's a certain weird shame involved in writing maybe. But uh, so, so I'm sure you've covered that, but I am interested in Delicious Tacos. Like why, why fake name Delicious Tacos? Why that name of all the names? Uh, well, First of all, yeah. So the reason that I don't that I don't post under my real name is because it would make me unemployable for life, and I may and I do want to have at least one biological child and get married, and so to do that, I'll need a job. So uh, that's the situation, and I'm not fucking weepy about it. I've already been doxxed to my work. I, I password protected, you know, 225 posts that were especially criminal or racist or what have you, mm -hmm. misogynistic. Um, but I don't like the 
self-pitying anti-censorship bitching industry grift either. Uh, it's, it's ever been thus that people have written under pseudonyms to write spicy shit and mm -hmm. the best shit's always been anonymous and uh, it's just the tradition that you gotta live with it. I wish I could show face again so that people would know that I'm not horrendously ugly so that <laughs> I used to get laid off my website constantly. And then as soon as I stopped showing face, 100% dried up, like mm. not once anymore. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, I think, I guess my work isn't as good as I thought, but I'm not as ugly as I thought. So it's a wash. <laughs> Delicious Tacos was my OkCupid username. Oh, okay. It was my OkCupid username because I had been drinking and I was hungover and I wanted to make, when I was making my OkCupid profile, I wanted a burrito. So I was thinking about Mexican food and I called it my, my handle was delicious tacos uh, at, you notice that every fucking username on okcupid after that was tacos like okcupid started suggesting that people call themselves like sally tacos <laughs> because of me and i'm not kidding. interesting yeah there was an okcupid uh like i was a big okcupid celebrity there was a, a such a thing as okcupid journals this was a blog that you had as part of your profile they had their own blog format you had, imagine imagine that now like a tinder connection <laughs> to somebody's blog and you could read about their life and what they had to say imagine if you could fucking do that today right um, <laughs> instead of oh. anyway, i can't imagine yeah so I... that's that's so that's where i started posting um after i you know and during my old blog and uh people you know got popular and people read it so i had the name delicious tacos so i was like okay now this name delicious tacos is sticking it's good i like it i'm going to start a website called delicious tacos i'm going to become an online celebrity i had a one-year plan to become an online celebrity which included making youtube videos and stuff mm -hmm. and uh i didn't end up doing any of the other stuff but i discovered that i really liked writing again and I really like sharing it with people and getting some comments and having people email me and saying that, that you know they connected with it and making friends from it and yeah so it stuck and it's a good name for a few reasons also when i looked up uh google deliciousTacos.com to see if it was taken it was listed as an example of a, of a bad domain name that you should never use <laughs> um and they suggested the alliterative tasty tacos instead <laughs> but um it's good because everybody likes delicious tacos. It's not a reference to eating pussy, although everybody thinks it is. Uh, nobody can misspell it. There's not another version of it where there's not another guy named delicious tacos. You know, there's <laughs> not, you know, there's obviously there's restaurants, but I own it. Like if you fucking say delicious tacos, like you mean me. Yeah. So it's a great fake name and I lucked out in that respect. No, it is. It's uh, extremely catchy. And, uh, you know, one day you'll show face. You kind of, you kind of write that about that a little bit in Savage Spear of the, of the Unicorn. Uh, the story, uh, women recently, it's kind of about your experience nearly getting doxxed. Oh, I forget that one. I'll take your word for it. I don't remember that one. Uh, okay. But you have a great line in there where you say, one of us hung up. Now Anna won't talk to me. I'm afraid the sister will kill herself. But suddenly I can laugh again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well i hope uh you know i hope at some time at some point you do get to show your face if you want yeah it's not bad like if you're a woman listening to me like i'm a pretty good looking dude yeah so yeah you know what to do well we have women listening and uh you know i i 
I, uh, I, I've got, what did I get? Have you ever uh, talked to Bud Smith? I know the name from Twitter. Okay, he's a, a writer from Jersey, but uh, a lot of people fell in love with his voice. So we, they'll fall in love with your voice and they'll take you at your word that you have a wonderful face. Nice. Is Bud pulling ass after your after his podcast appearance? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's really the that's what people tell me about this podcast. It really changes things for them. Is that why Liz Eyre can't be here to say <laughs> she absconded with Bud Smith? <laughs> there was a time that uh, in my life where I spent some time on on uh, Lit. I don't know what that is. Four chan Lit, the four chan board. Yeah, I had seen your reference there before. I had a great experience there once because um, I was reading through a bunch of comments and then this is going to sound like such a jerk off, but I'm reading through <laughs> and then somebody left this really long comment that I started reading. I was really engaged in it and I was like, this guy's really, this guy's got a really beautiful style and he's really engaging and interesting to read. And like, I'm fucking jealous of this guy, whoever this guy is, he's got an incredible talent. And then I was, as I continued reading, I realized that someone was reposting some of my old work as their own. <laughs> and I'm, it was the best, like, I'm so grateful that I, I had I had the ability to see, because like, I read my own shit so much and I'm editing it and I fucking, like, I, I read my books over and over again. Uh, I start thinking that I suck and I hate it, et cetera. And so it was the one time I got to see it through other eyes just by forgetting. It was, so thank you to whoever is out there stealing my shit. <laughs> Something I like to ask is, um... You know, for people who are listening to this and maybe want to like improve their writing or start writing, yeah. Uh, what it, I have a spiel about this. I'm sorry. Finish your question. You know, first of all, can it be taught? Is is doing something like an MFA program or? I can't tell you what an MFA program does. Maybe if I went to an MFA program, I would be better. I can tell you what I did that worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, in 2011, I started my website in 2012. In 2011, I wrote for an hour every day and I banked, banked material and I got in the habit of writing every day. It was incredibly frustrating. Um, I forget if I had to do a certain amount of pages or whatever, but it was just, you know, it's maddening. It feels like you're, you're having your head held underwater and it feels like time is expanding and taking you know, a second contains a thousand lifetimes. Mm -hmm. You just, just pick your time of day for me, it's first thing in the morning, get up, take a shit, drink a cup of coffee, read the best book that you can, do not look at Twitter. And I'm giving you advice that I no longer take myself now, but this is, mm -hmm. the, this is when it works for me. This is what I'm doing. Put the best prose style in your head that you can. The ideas of a book do not matter. Nobody's ideas matter. Their prose style is all that matters. Mm -hmm. Read it for an hour, take a shit, take a shower, wash your asshole, get down, sit at a keyboard and just make your fingers move for 30 minutes. There's no block, just make your fingers move and start doing complete stream of consciousness. Do not ever think about showing it to anybody. Do not think I am writing a blog post. Do not think I'm writing a short story at first. Now you can write those things if you really have an idea. But don't write it thinking of an invisible person looking over your shoulder. Don't judge yourself. It's going to suck. Or, you know, and there'll be one good sentence in it, right? Uh, I post about 10% of the stuff that I write, if that. Of the stuff that I post, 
20, 25%, if that, or maybe less, makes it into books. Most of the stuff you're gonna do is not gonna be great. I edit out lots and lots. Editing is a different topic, but for now, spend a year writing every day, get in the habit. Uh, you may hate it at first, and then you will like it, and then you will need it. You will need it when something happens to you. You're gonna be glad you have those tools to put your feelings in the paper when somebody dies or somebody leaves you or you gotta quit smoking, or you gotta quit heroin, whatever it is. So write every day. And it takes years to get good. I started my old blog in 2005. I wrote the first really good thing on my new blog in 2013. Oh, wow. Eight years. Yeah. And- Really good by your own internal measure. Yeah, where yeah. I could, like I read it, when I reread it, I posted it and I reread it and I said, I cannot say this is bad. Mm -hmm. There's other, you know, other things you can say, you can trash them. That one, oh, it's called autopilot. I could not say it was bad. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's a little rough around the edges, but I could not say that it was bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, where you read it and like I read it and I, when I do readings, like that's the one I read and it still works and it's good. And uh, it's gonna take some time. Don't uh, focus on, this is Alcoholics Anonymous stuff now. And also just move your fingers on a keyboard. I didn't invent that, somebody else told me. Uh, focus on the action, not the results. Every fucking day, I get a DM or an email from somebody saying, I wrote my first short story. Will you read it? No, go fuck <laughs> yourself. I wrote for years and I never asked anybody to read anything. People just mm -hmm. came. So post, you know, I love you and I support you and I'm good. Thank you. And it's an honor to be asked, right? Sam Pinky interviewed has such a healthier attitude about this, but he probably gets less people fucking DMing him too. Um, I, I support you and I love you, but like, I can't read people's shit and you shouldn't need me to read your shit. Put it on the internet and learn how to take the dick sucking commenter. But before you think about doing anything public, bank enough material too. just bank material, build up a journal, back it up regularly with an external hard drive if you're keeping it on the internet somewhere. Write, you know, just bank material. Also, you know, when I was building posts, if I was writing topical posts, which I used to do, I would have a sentence about fucking Barack Obama here and a sentence about cigars there. And I would just remember I had this giant vault of like metaphors and paragraphs that I could string. If I didn't have a post that day, I could string this paragraph together, that paragraph, you know, build up a vault of canned material. And you'll use it somewhere, you know, some description of a bird or of a car or some description of a girl's pussy. You'll use it somewhere. You're just, you're just creating, you know, there's always little metaphors, little descriptions, learning how to cut your sentences, learning how to, you know, long sentence, long, 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 short, the sapphic meter. Um, just that's the only way you're going to do it. It's like, you know, Jerry Garcia played guitar in front of the TV and, you know, I'm sure Jimi Hendrix did and whatever, you know, any, any musician that you like, like when they were watching TV, they were playing scales. You just, you just have to have good habits. Can mm -hmm. it be taught? I don't know, but I really don't believe that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that anybody that's writing honestly, like talent almost doesn't matter. Some people have it and some people don't maybe, but like just a person talking like a caveman telling an honest story is beautiful and interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, 
you can get too prissy. You can try to sound too intellectual. Um, this is something that people accuse Logo of, and and you know he does he does it deliberately in the beginning of his book so that he can ease up on it in the middle of his book. Yeah. To great effect. Um, but just you'll beat that out of yourself by writing a lot, mm -hmm. and it's okay to. Uh, it's okay to slavishly imitate other people. I used to imitate David Foster Wallace. I imitated Charles Bukowski. It's kind of impossible to imitate Horlbeck, but I took a lot of, you know, I got a lot of, I, I let his flavor seep in a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can't, I mean, you can't imitate somebody that's writing, that's translated. Yeah. But don't be afraid because it's, you're never going to be that slavish, right? You're going to, the influence will be there, but it's always going to be and just do it tomorrow, man. Forget it. Uh, I'm telling you to do it for a year, but just think about doing it. Another AA thing, one day at a fucking time. Mm -hmm. and that's all you got to do. Is it going to be good? Uh, I've got good, you know, maybe. Is it going to succeed? I've got good news. Nobody succeeds. Nobody right. fucking, you know, nobody sells a lot of books. Nobody makes a living off this. Nobody is famous. Very few people are even getting pussy. So I'm, I'm good and uh i make minimum wage so forget, is, forget success that's why <laughs> this is a beautiful art form you don't have to write fucking tv shows and commercials like let it be whatever whatever it is whatever you want it to be whatever god wants it to be yeah i think that's great advice uh personally i write with with some fictional character looking over my shoulder and it's it's a tough habit to break you got you got to break it man i mean it just uh you know when something happens to you that's real, like a death, mm -hmm. maybe, knock on wood, I, maybe, may you never experience pain, but when it <laughs> happens, then you won't have that fucking person going over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, when can we expect true love? God, uh, hopefully within our lifetimes. Probably <laughs> it's going to take years. Yeah, it's going to be a longer work? Yeah. Cool, cool. Very, very yeah. excited, very excited for it. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Dude, thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed delicious tacos. Hope you got some good tidbits to take with you on your journey to making whatever it is you're going to make. We have some exciting guests coming up in the near future. Stay tuned for that. Send your compliments, your complaints to selectedpros at protonmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, yada yada. But we'd love to hear your thoughts. Bon voyage. Until next time. Enjoy your holiday. <laughs>